I had Logan Paul on my million. podcast. Would Logan do it with me? <laughs> Logan would kick your ass, I think. Mm. You're riding a fantastic wave. How could you not make some mistakes along the way? Think- How can you be for small government and then have the government dictate all Thank these you. things in your personal life, exactly. right? You idiots. You idiots. got it completely wrong. Can't you just wake up <laughs> exactly. and stop? Exactly. I was walking down the hallway like a dotted bull with a needle sticking out of my ass. Tell me the five steps to like, to the gates of point where someone like you would say, I want this guy in my life. I want to help this guy. All right, guys, JB in the house here. What's up? The Wolf of Wall Street's here to answer all your questions about coronavirus. Just so happens I have a degree in biology, minor in chemistry. Uh, I've also been a avid studier of all things about human physiology for my whole life. I just love it. So that and, of course, you know, uh, my business acumen and my following gives me a great platform to really help people navigate their way through this in terms of, uh, you know, how do you protect yourself, your family, and also how do you protect your business? your job. What what should you do? What you should do? And I'm not saying I have all the answers and um, I'm going to spew out a whole bunch of facts that I'm going to take as facts. I might be wrong sometimes. I'm not like, I don't have an earpiece in my ear. I have a lot of things memorized. I just read a lot. So if I get something wrong, I'm sorry. It's not on purpose. All right. <coughs> Uh-oh. No. <coughs> I swallowed the wrong way. <coughs> no. <coughs> no. <coughs> you watch me die. But literally, no, I have a mass of, of wealth of information here on on biology, chemistry, human physiology. So if you want to know about viruses, how it started, what I think is going to happen, and the business you know, aspects of it in terms of how it will affect your business and the economy in general, ask away. So I got Bowen sitting across from me here. Hey, guys, what's up? Big Boski, all right? And Bowen is probably just terrified of, he's one of those people that called me up uh, two days ago. He's like, you know, I was feeling sluggish today. I, I think I have coronavirus. I like, oh my good Lord, Bowen. So I said, all right. So I sent him back a text saying, Bowen, I think you might have. He's like, no, I haven't, you know? Anyway, all right. You're still here. You're still yeah, okay. I'm alive. I'm kicking. All right. Let's go for the first question here. Okay. This first one comes in. Can they hear? Can you guys hear me all right, by the way? Uh, this first one from NorCal Ryder. He says, what's your analysis of today's stock drop? Oh, listen, you know, it's, you know, obviously it's factoring in a lot of things. Number one, of course, is just simply fear, right? And fear is not good for the stock market. The stock market's been through a major run, right? It was very toppy up at the 30,000, right? You know, making all-time highs. So it was in a position where it was already at the top when this so-called correction started. It's down, I think, 19, 20% off its highs. Um, but also, let's talk the technical side of why fear is bad for markets. And in this case, it actually is going to probably have a very strong depressive effect effect on corporate earnings. Just look, you know, look at it in human terms. Like, you know, what happens on on Main Street ultimately is reflected on Wall Street today. So the, remember, the, Wall Street's a leading economic indicator, not a lagging one. So the market acts on what they think is going to happen, right? So basically, you know, right now the market is is going down because they think. That because of what's happening right now in businesses, people aren't buying, people aren't traveling, and all the trickle-down effects of that, that things are going to slow down. There's disruptions of the supply chain in Apple, big companies that made stuff in, in, in China, right? Well, if those factories can't have their workers go to work, they can't make the parts and so forth, and there you go. So Apple runs out of certain parts of their iPhones, production slows, Amazon can't have as many goods to ship, trickles down all over, and ultimately to the average consumer – no, I swallow. I swear, guys. I swear to God, I swallowed something before I came. I was eating sushi, right? No, 
What? Okay, yeah. Anyway, first rule of Corona, when you're coughing, cover your mouth. Okay. Anyway, so you guys must crack up that I'm actually coughing. I don't cough all day and I cough online. Anyway, um, so that, it's a trickle-down effect that basically, you know, ultimately reduces corporate earnings. At the end of the day, remember, the market is a function of earnings, right? And then there's a multiple on those earnings. Stocks trade on a multiple of earnings, right? Or so it's supposed to, right? So if earnings go down, then theoretically... The value of these companies goes down, the price of the stocks go down, and so forth, right? So remember, the market, this is just, you know, for the, those who don't know, this is pretty basic stuff, but the market is, is a leading indicator. It's about what's going to happen in six months or a year, not what just happened. That'll be a lagging indicator, okay? All right, so one person asks, he goes, do you think this will, Nathan Slade said, will this market go into a bear market? Well, I think it's just about there. It's, you know, it's 20%. It's like considered almost the correct, you know, bear market territory, right? I think it goes lower. I do. I think this market, in fact, I just called a friend of mine who was uh, the top volatility trader in the world, a brilliant guy, and asked his opinion because he's, you know, fingers on the pulse of the market. And he, you know, he agrees with my sense was that I think it goes lower. He agreed. No one knows for sure. I'd be pretty surprised if it doesn't go lower because I think that we haven't seen the worst of this yet. And it has to, until they utter the P word, it's going to, I believe, my, my theory, of, and again, don't buy a sell just because I said it, but this is my theory, is that until they utter the dreaded P word, the market is going to continue to go down. And that P word is pandemic. They haven't said the word yet. So when they say, you know, it's a pandemic, all right, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God, um, the world now is going to come to an end. The economy is going to crash. It's come to, if your Uber driver and your haircut is telling you, oh, my God, I just bailed out of my stocks. It's the end. That's time to buy so when they utter the P word and everyone starts to really panic and says, I'm not spending. When the restaurants are empty, is the time to buy restaurant stocks. When the movie theater is empty, you buy movie stocks. When no one's flying on airlines, it's getting close to the time to buy airline stocks. You get it? When everything seems the worst, when there's blood in the streets, that's when you make the most money. Warren Buffett says, even in normal times, he says, I want to be greedy when other people are fearful. And I get really fearful when other people are greedy, meaning when you're at the top of the market, everyone's being really greedy, right? That's when Warren Buffett says, I'm fearful. Things are going lower. When everyone else is running for the hills because they're panicking, they're full of fear, that's when he gets greedy and starts buying. Think about that. Obviously, you know, it's very difficult to time the very bottom of the market or top tick the very top. I always say bulls make money, bears make money, pigs get slaughtered. Right, So the idea would be to try to not to catch the bottom of the market, but you want to kind of wait till you get to that bottom, it starts to bounce. So you want to catch the beginning, the, kind of the, the middle of the beginning of the rally up, and then try not to hold to the very end top ticket to get out you know, in the middle of the end. Right? Easier said than done, but it's a good rule of thumb, generally speaking. Okay? Um, Charlie21Martin says, do you anticipate this result in a crash like the levels in 2008? Or any other instances? I think, just remember, you know, there's also a technical side to trading, meaning that there's, you know, stocks go up in patterns. There's things like, you know, they go up. Nothing goes up in a straight line. They go up, they back off a little bit, they backfill. A lot of what causes people to sell is when they're making money. So if they're making money and they have a profit they could take, they'll say, maybe I should sell and lock in my profit. When stocks get low enough... And a good majority of that short-term, the hot money, people that buy and sell, they're all in losses. They stop selling. So what happens, as markets start to drop, fewer and fewer people will sell because they're not making money anymore. 
And at a certain point, no one will really sell. The, the selling dries up. That's when stocks go down. Selling dries up because people are not in positions where they can really sell at a profit. And that panic is out of the way. So like the long-term money is there. The long-term institutional money's got they're buying stocks. They might wait heavier towards bonds in this in, when there's a lot of fear in the market and uncertainty. But there's a certain point when things start to drop when all that hot money is, is out. Like there's people, no one's really not a very small percentage of people are in profits. So the selling starts to slow. So you know, there's always these corrections in the market, you know, for all history of the market. The difference is now is that you know they're happening in these very condensed time frames. Over a couple of days, right? You know, you see a couple of days. Wow, it's you know twenty percent, right? Since the top, it's been very quickly. It happened, right? So it seems really bad. And in reality, this is no worse yet than any other correction. The the big thing here is, I believe, there's also a lot of money that's going to have to get raised to pay for margin calls. Now, remember that. So there's another issue now is that when the markets drop, there's people that were buying on leverage and they start to get calls to, for their loans. Because their, their positions are in losses and they borrow money to buy in the first place, they're forced to sell to cover those positions. That creates another wave of selling. It becomes a cascading effect. So I think we really haven't seen that yet. So if it goes much lower, you'll start to see the margin calls really kicking in and more money that's more selling pressure onto the market. It goes lower. So I think ultimately, yeah, we're going to end up in bear market territory, in significant bear market territory. But if you had to guess in one year from now, the market's a lot higher than it is right now. Just a guess. All right, Sam Salria16 says, give one industry to buy stocks in right now. Well, I mean, you know, obviously, listen, obviously you could, you know, try to buy um, things like defensive industries for this sort of thing would be, you know, drug makers that are working on things that, you know, would, would is either cures. That's a kind of a long shot, though. Um, you know, you could look at, you know, goods and services that are supporting like the, the Purell company. Those are the basic ones, right? Or things that actually, you know, where the virus is creating demand. I would also look at things, for instance, like um, um, things that are that are benefit by people staying home, streaming services, uh, work work from home companies. What's gonna, here's what's going to happen. I think there's a, a very big play, and I really hadn't thought about that until you asked this. This is a very good question. So look at, look at it this way. So you're a company right now, and you say, okay, you know, I wasn't really expecting this, although I frankly should have because, it, you know, it's bound to happen eventually where there'd be some sort of pandemic came and, you know, people would, you know, all of a sudden hunker down and stay home and maybe they didn't think that all of a sudden, wait a second, I wanted my employees going to work. I wanted them to work from home, but I don't have the right technology for that. And all of a sudden, people will start investing in all these redundancies to make sure now that if this happens again, I'm already set up to have – People work from home, telecommute. Universities will be set up to, to, to teach from, from, you know, from, you know, from virtual teaching, from a distance, right? So I think companies that supply virtual technology where you can work from home, telecommute, um, streaming stuff that actually favors people being able to work without interacting are all industries that are going to benefit even after the virus actually dissipates and it will it'll run its course at a certain point we'll I'll get to that later when a question comes up about the actual virus or how long i think it will last because i have a lot of information on that as well no guarantees but i think i have a pretty good shot at it right um but the idea is even after this whole thing dies down if i was a company and i was the salesman at that company i had the greatest pitch in the world to every company hey you know you need to be buying my product right now because even though there's no virus today, you know, well, sooner or later, you're going to have to have this technology in place. You want to have redundancy right now. So there's a huge redundancy play. 
to be selling to companies that, so next time it happens, you're set up. So I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity. In every crisis, there's always opportunity. You don't want that opportunity to be made by gouging people. So you don't want to make money by, oh, being the guy who has corners the market and masks and sell face masks for twice. That's not how you make money. That's unethical and it's stupid and it's not right. And But there are intelligent ways to make money in a crisis by saying, okay, what has this created in terms of shifts in perception, shifts in future demand? What are companies going to need? What provides what they look to? I can invest in those companies or start them myself or add those products to my product line and then make a lot of money over the next few years as companies reposition and make sure they're ready for the next time this happens. Okay? L-O-U-W dot Ricardo 2 says Italy has just gone into full lockdown, right. dot, 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 just informing. That's not true. It's all, it's not full, not the whole country. It's 16 million people locked down in the northern part of the country. And listen, they've reached that point that it's called community transmission, where like, you know, they, they it's out of control. It's, not, it's out of containment. People are getting it everywhere, and they're doing whatever they think they need to do right now to try to, it's not so much, just so you know, it's not because so much that everyone's going to die from this. It's just that it, if they don't slow down the transmission through isolation, through social isolation, what happens is more people are going to flood the hospitals and it overwhelms the healthcare institutions. So it's, you know, it's, it's, they need to think about that too. It's managing healthcare. So if everyone is, is just interacting, yeah, maybe it's the mortality rate is going to end up being 1% or less across the board. So maybe it's not the end of the world. And I know if one person dies, it's a bad thing, right? But the point is, is that you have to remember that if they don't slow down the, um, the transmission, who cares for all the peoples, the hospital beds? See, we don't see that yet in the United States, but remember, in these parts of Italy right now, these hospitals are overwhelmed. Healthcare professionals are overwhelmed. They don't have enough supplies. And a lot of the, the, the ways that you fight this virus right now are through palliative care. In other words, it's not about trying to cure the virus. It's about keeping people alive long enough till their immune system fights it off. You have to make sure that their kidneys keep functioning, they have the fluids. That's what these hospitals are about right now is making sure people are adequately hydrated, their kidneys are functioning. If not, they'll put them on dialysis. They'll be on breathing machines. Eventually, most people will overcome this and get well. But if everybody doesn't, it starts, you know, contracting and they overwhelm the institutions, the people that really need it, the older people who are most susceptible, are people that are immune compromised, they're going to be in really deep shit. So, so it looks like what, a lot of people are saying because they were commenting on that. Is that just announced, like just right now, like breaking news that Italy, all of it? Oh, now, okay. So, oh, right. so when I, you know, that's well, okay. So that's fast move. So when I literally five minutes ago, when before I got here, it was 16 million. There you go. So I, my latest information was 16 million people. Now the whole country's on lockdown. Let me, let me look it up. You sure? I don't know. Whatever. I, I don't know. I when I checked, I, I was up on this like right before I, I tried to you know be current guys, but obviously this is evolving really fast right now. So the number of deaths keep going up, and there's you know all these reasons why is the death rate you know um, seem like it's higher than it actually is. There's all these things. When I get asked questions about the virus, I'll go into that. But let's go to the next question. Meanwhile. Well, I, I think I have a question that no one's asking it. Is like what, like what do you think the timeline is on this? Like what, like obviously everyone's in mass hysteria right now. But you know, I think you spoke to me earlier about the effects of like when summer comes around, like the difference between right. Singapore and Korea. Right. Well, in other words, so by very nature, vi coronavirus is a family of viruses that cause common colds. It's different. It's not influenza virus. It's very different than the, the normal influenza virus. But they are both viruses, and viruses notoriously hate warm, moist climates. They do not like the summer. They do not like the moisture. So, for example, the reason that South Korea, which has a robust healthcare system, 
quick response. The reason why transmission there was so, you know, so quick. He's like, wow, what happened? Italy, why? It's cold and it's dry this time of year. In Singapore, it's, I've been to Singapore. It's always so hot and humid. So what happens is viruses, remember, this is an airborne transmission for the most part, right? Airborne transmission for the most part. You can also get it by touching, right? Because the virus lives outside the body. But a lot of this quick, rapid transmission is through the air. So when coughs or sneezes, it lands on you some way. You touch your hands, whatever, and that's how it starts, right? Well, what happens is in cold dry weather, the virus will travel around six feet, maybe eight feet, and it will last a significant amount of time outside the body. In warm, moist climates, heavy air, what happens heavy air? The virus travels much much closer, a foot maybe. I'm not sure the exact thing is that a foot, foot and a half. So the virus will not travel. And obviously, it's probably a curve is the moister the air, the fur. The, it just makes sense when you think about it, right? Heavy air. Viruses don't travel like any other thing. They have some weight, some mass, and they get you know caught up in this moist air. And they don't live very long outside the body. That's why in any flu, epidemic, pandemic, you know, even in the worst Spanish flu of it, 1918, you saw that after when the summer months or spring, like eight, end of April, May, come around, the cases start to subside. Then they're very off. was in, in Spanish flu, it went on, it kicked back up. And the second one was even worse, by the way, because it mutated. And, you know, 1919, it didn't die out till 21. And then officially till 1957, it was still circulating in some people and eventually finally died out. But the point was that in the summer months in the Northern Hemisphere, the thing's going to crater because it just does, does not live well outside the body. So unless something happens and it mutates, and, and which is very, very highly unlikely, and it can survive longer outside the body in warm, moist climates, there'll be a natural check on the virus as we head into the spring months and then ultimately the summer months. But then we have to worry about resurgence. But if we you know, can position ourselves, and again, they're working on vaccines now. They're, they're you know, fast-tracking them, I've heard. Uh, so separate issue, but that's the story. Another question is, like, why are they calling it the coronavirus? Like, why is it called the corona? Corona, because it, it looks like it's a crown. Like, when you, every virus has its own unique shape. Like, the Ebola virus, it's got, like, that worm-like shape that, you know, like, it's like a little hook and a thing at the end. It's like, you know, it's very distinctive. Well, the coronavirus has distinctive, these little things that spike, the spikes on the end of on the virus that actually look like a crown. And those spikes are what allow it to attach to a human cell membrane. Now, the coronaviruses are actually not, they don't start in humans. They come from an. They actually live in animals for the most. They're, they from uh, they cross species. They jump from species to species with mutations. Then the, a certain type of mutation happens, and all of a sudden it can attach now to a human virus. So in this one, they think they believe. Listen, the, the word is it didn't start in any secret Chinese lab that's trying to kill the world. It's not what happened. Nor did it accidentally escape. I don't know that for sure, but it seems that's not what happened. That it started. They think in bats. And then from bats, what happens is there's, in the, you know, the reason in Wuhan in China is the place where a lot of these viruses seem to start. So I believe SARS started there as well. Um, don't take my word for that. I think it did, but there's one of the big one that started. There's MERS. SARS is, you know, a sudden acute respiratory. Then there's MERS, middle acute, resp- middle, um, you know, Middle Eastern respiratory syndrome, right? Anyway, but Wuhan has what's called a wet food market. And a wet food market is where all these animals are alive and all stacked together in cages. So a lot of different species 
are interacting and there's shit and piss and pus and mucus and blood. And it's very easy for, for, for transmissions of viruses from species to species. And then if that one species interacts with humans and cuts themselves somehow, a person is in contact with that food because it's getting slaughtered at this market. It's not done at one factory somewhere, right? There's a huge chance for transmission. That's why there are not that many wet food markets around. And China has tried to crack down on these. This is one of the few that's left. These used to be much more common. A lot of people are asking, I know you just kind of answered it, but can well, you go back to it? It's like, when do you think it'll end? Like the virus? Like, I mean, maybe you should well, start talking about America, for well, example. Uh, put it this way. I, I, I think that um, barring any mutation, like it's already mutated. There's two strains right now, but they're very similar. Um, uh, I would guess, and again, I'm just guessing here, logic would tell me that no matter what we do, all, and all of these things are necessary. And just so you know, you know, whether you hate Trump or love Trump, you know, he's walking a fine line right now, President Trump, in trying to not create panic that's going to destroy not just the financial markets. Remember, the financial markets are a mirror of what ultimately will happen in the economy. So people say, oh, he just wants to get reelected with stocks. It's not that. It's the actual underlying economy. So if he's out there, you know, he's trying to be a cheerleader and he's trying to balance that because, you know, in one side, what he's saying is true. Many more people are dying from the flu right now than from, you know, this disease, coronavirus, right? This is not a disease, this is infe- this is a viral infection, right? So, you know, more people, many more people have died already this year from this year's flu. The difference is, is that this is more deadly. In other words, the actual, I think it's 0.1% is the mortality rate for flu. And this is, I think, right now hovering at around 4%, although that 4% is, I've seen 3%, but if you actually look at the numbers, it's actually 4%. If you take the people that are infected, those who died, it's around 4, I think, or 3.9. But that is not evenly spread among the population. The people who are dying are mostly very old and immune compromised. People under the age of 9 or 10 aren't even getting it, not even expressing symptoms. The other thing, though, is that remember, when they say the number of people that have it, Many people have had this and didn't get sick enough to call it COVID-19, whatever. You, you get those, they thought they had a cold or they, maybe they just, you know, whatever, the flu and they didn't report it. So what you're seeing right now is probably the actual mortality rate is much lower, I believe, than what you're seeing. So that's why you see, you know, Trump saying, well, you don't want to panic everybody. Everyone stay home. Don't spend money. Lock yourself in. It's the end. Of, you know, that, that's a self-fulfilling prophecy of economic doom. That has to be balanced out with being responsible, right? That you don't want to put yourself directly in harm's way or enhance the spread of community transmission by going to crowded places, by going to sport. Yeah, maybe you know, there's a balance to be struck here. But I don't think his intentions are really evil. I don't even think it's denial. He's just trying to strike the right balance between economics and safety. And you know, maybe he's getting it right and wrong. I, I, I don't think he's that off on the balance, although it, he's like the unfunny comic. A lot of times he says things that just, if Obama said the same thing, it wouldn't come out the same way. But I, I really think his intentions are good here. That's just my opinion. All right. In terms of um, when does it end? I, again, I, I'm, I think it's gonna. You're gonna see it hit peak in the um, in in April 15th, April 30th. Um, it's gonna start so even before maybe it'll start slowing down. Like around, it'll probably hit peak. I guess the April 1st, 2nd, 3rd, right around there, and then slow down. And they'll um, probably you'll stop hearing about this as a real huge issue by um, early May, and then it might come back again. And then we'll see what happens from there. Camilla Modi says, sorry if I bush, but Camilla Modi says, 
and it's a little bit uh, broken English here. But also, can you tell me if this virus vaccine is going to come in a few months? Gonna is it going to get produced in Iran? I mean, no way, to- not in a few months. It can't be. So the closest they are right now, I believe, is in phase one trials. Let me explain what that means. Phase one trials are when they test it, not so much for e- efficacy, but for safety. In other words, like they test to see if it actually kills you. Like, you know, a, a, a vaccine. Remember what a vaccine typically is an attenuated form of the virus. When you get a vaccine, it's not like antibiotics. Antibiotics kill bacteria, and the way they do that is by depriving the bacteria of something, some food source, something that makes them unable to reproduce, right? That doesn't work with viruses. They're very different. They're very sneaky. The viruses sneak inside the cell inside your cells, actually. They, they fool the body's defense mechanism, and they actually hijack your cell's machinery and use it to make more copies of themselves until they've basically destroyed the cell's capabilities and then spit out a million fresh copies. It's really, really damaging, right? So what happens is ultimately our body fights when we recover from a viral infection. It's because our body's natural defense mechanism, our immune system, right, we have what's called antibodies. Ultimately, your body, if when you get to a certain part in the cell, and I think it's called the ribosome, where where this, this happens, I believe it's the ribosome, but it's in the cell's inner machinery, right, where you actually have um, your DNA and RNA, and it sends out these antibodies, which is like messenger. It's just I don't want to get too technical here, but the body, you know, body makes DNA. That's how it makes copies. It's all the instruction manual for human body. As part of that, the instruction set is to how do you fight off outside invaders? Those invaders could be bacteria or viruses, right? viruses are very sneaky. They sneak inside the cell. The way we actually defeat them is through antibodies that attach themselves. They, the body, your cells create antibodies and they spit out and they kill the virus or attach and cleave the virus, make it unable to reproduce. And then the, your white cells engulf the dead viruses, right? And that clean up your body. In fact, the reason that the 1918 flu was so deadly, I think 60% mentality, it was mad, or 30% mentality, crazy, was because, young, and the people who died mostly were 20 to 40 year olds. The healthiest people were the ones who died because the virus triggered such a robust immune response that people were drowning in their own phlegm, their white cells, because your, your body would recognize this invader and overcompensate. The immune system would overcompensate and spit out massive amounts of, of antibodies and white cells until they choked you. You, you drown in your own phlegm, believe it or not, from your own immune response. That's why it was so deadly. But that same response ultimately is what cures you when your body finally makes enough antibodies to tag, identify these cells, stop them, these, uh, these viruses, stop them from reproducing, then your white cells clean it up and you get better. Then you have these antibodies circulate in your immune system, in your body, and they, they're always there standing vigil. So next time you the virus enters your body, you don't get sick again. So you don't get chicken pox twice, right? You become immune. You get it once and then you're immune because your body now has these antibodies that are circling around. And they always own these T-cells that you have also. It's very complex how the whole, but it's, it's pretty simple when you think about it. But they, they stand vigil when they see the uh, infection next time. They don't ever let it get far enough for you to see symptoms. They spring into action the next time really quickly. So the way vaccines work is they trick your body into making enough of of these antibodies without getting you sick the first time. So they trigger enough of an immune response in you. So now it's as if you already actually had this infection, but you never had the symptoms. So now when you, it actually does infect you, you still got infected, 
but it never was able to take hold in your body because you had these, these antibodies waiting and they attacked and destroyed before you got sick. So they're testing these right now. They have one, I believe, in Houston. I think there's one another in Israel. A couple of co- uh, con- uh, countries are working on this. They're being fast-tracked by the FDA. The earliest I think they could be out would be probably 10 months, I've heard, although probably more like 18 months. Arsh underscore Gudani says, I'm from Italy, where the virus has made people excessively scared. What is the ambiance in the U.S. like? Um, we're glad we're not in Italy right now, I'll tell you that. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I, I was thinking the other night, I wonder what it would be like to actually be in Italy right now. Um, and I think we probably feel a lot different and we probably would not be saying that Trump is, you know, we, we, we'd probably be saying Trump is minimizing things too. If you're in Italy saying Trump is crazy, and if you're not in Italy, you can understand why he's doing it. In other words, like I, I'm sure from from a people in the thick of it there in Iran or Italy or in China when it was really hot there, right? You know, in the heat of the, of the epidemic, um, you'd say this is the worst thing in the world. People are dying. It's terrible, right? So I can only imagine. Here it's not like that. I'm sure there's pockets. I think if, you know, we, I'm in L.A., I'm sure if you travel to certain parts of Seattle, even New York City right now, and upstate New York and Westchester, where I'm from, by the way, I'm very, I'm 10 minutes from there. I grew up 10 minutes from where there's an outbreak right now. I'm sure that the streets are empty, and I'm sure it's very much like what's going on. Probably not quite as bad, but not far off. They're talking about mandatory lockdowns, um, you know, uh, quarantines. They're talking about suspending tr- public transportation, I've heard. Hasn't happened yet. They're talking about making loans available to business owners, small business owners, which would be really important. Because, you know, I'm seeing it in my business right now. All my, my live event businesses has dropped substantially. I know it will come back, but temporarily it's slowed down for sure. Um, so here, you know, so far, there's a quiet, eerie calm here um, where, you know, I have some of my friends are like hypochondriacs. They're already hiding in their homes. Tell me they think they have coronavirus, including Bowen, okay? And then there's people like me who I, you know, rarely ever get sick. And I, and I, I would be almost convinced that if I, I could walk through the valley of the shadow of death with this thing and they wouldn't touch me, that's probably not true. Because here's the thing about coronavirus. Everybody is susceptible. No one is immune until you've gotten it once because it's a novel corona. I mean, novel means it's new. It's the first time it's made its way into humans. Formerly, they believe it was in bats. That's where they think it started, right? So because it's new, no one has immunity. Other flus that we have around, we, you have, believe it or not, you have many different types of antibodies that you've gotten, some through your mother, some through exposure through the years that have made you, and through injection shots you've gotten and, and, you know, um, and, and vaccinations, right? But for this, there is no current vaccinations are the only people who are immune theoretically are those who've had it and recovered. And I've heard a couple of cases where the person um, recovered and now has it again. That seems unlikely unless it's a, a mutated form because typically you don't get a virus like this twice. You'll have natural immunity and it could have been, maybe it's true, maybe it's a rare occurrence where someone's immune system didn't have a proper response, but I don't really, I'm not, not that much into the science at that level. Um, or it could be there was a false reading with one of the tests either the first time or the second time because it doesn't really make sense. Next question. Uh, you want to do one more? You want 30 minutes in? Yeah, go one more. Okay, we can do more. Um, so Raphael von Karten says, uh, how will the coronavirus affect venture capitalism? How about small B2B startups? Yeah, well, for, it's listen, for right now, um, I would, I, I, I'm guessing that we're on the verge right now of people going into holding patterns. People are going from aggressive investing to risk mitigation strategies and the preservation of capital. 
not being quite as free with their money. As a business owner, I am doing that right now. However, that being said, I am still deploying money for things that I think make sense. I'm still moving forward with my business plans. I'm just being a bit more conservative and conserving capital. So for VCs, you know, listen, they're sitting on money they have to deploy and they see good long-term investments. This is a short-term problem. You get it? It's not a long-term problem. We will get past this virus. I promise you that as a human species and the world economy, whatever beating it takes, it will bounce back. All right. China will bounce back. The U.S. will be, you know, Italy's going to go back to normal one day. It will run its course. We've been through much worse. The bubonic plague. <laughs> Come on, you know, we've made it through a lot worse. Than this, And also there's a lot more science now. People acted quickly. Um, but there could be short term squeezes on capital. So if you are raising money, depending on what you're raising it for, it might be a bit more difficult, but I would not look at that as an excuse. And this is important right now. What you don't want to do is allow this to become your story about why you can't get what you want in life. This is that classic example of the story that you tell yourself ultimately stopping you from getting what you want. It's that story, that bullshit story that you tell yourself, oh, it's freaking coronavirus. I can't do a thing. Listen, in my heart and mind, I know what impact Corona is having on my business right now. And it's substantial. It is. I'm in the live events business. In fact, Tony Robbins canceled um, his UPW. He's the first time he's ever canceled a UPW. Tony's a warrior. He does this for many, many years. And he canceled a big deal at Tony. Canceled one because I know he would hate to do that. It's expensive to do. All right. Um, but it's the responsible thing to do considering it's in San Jose where the, there's an outbreak very close in Seattle, I believe, and it's making its way down there. Uh, it's probably a very responsible thing to do. It'll probably cost him a lot of money, but he did the right thing. Or at least in his mind, he did the right thing. Um, but um, again, you know, he'll live to fight another day. It'll come back and we'll be doing more events and this will be over one day. And I promise you that. So don't let it stop you from getting what you want in life. You got to adapt like a virus, okay? The virus is adapting right now. You need to be adapting too, adapting to what's going on around you. Look for opportunity. Don't go into, what you don't want to do is go into freeze paralysis mode. Paralysis by fear, paralysis by overanalysis. Look at things, take a big, you know, big picture view, then a small laser guided view. Be practical, don't be overly conservative, but don't be overly aggressive. Be careful, but be smart. And don't forget, you still got to take action. Just what that action is, it might be a bit different right now, but you got to take action and move towards what you want in life. What's like your worst case scenario? And like, what's like the worst case scenario? And what's like the best case scenario in the next couple of months? And this, is, this is a terrible part of me. You know, I'm kidding when I say this, but I'd love to see the zombie apocalypse. Like, you think I love like... zombie movies, you know? I don't really mean that, but I imagine if it was the zombie apocalypse. What the hell? Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, what was that? Worse, the zombie apocalypse. What was that? Like, it was like, I don't know, a year and a half ago, they were talking about some. It was a drug or something that people were taking that were turning people into zombies. Bath salts. Bath salts. Bath salts. It was a, it's a recreational drug they call bath salts. I forgot that. I'm not sure the exact name, but it just makes people go crazy and bite people and shit, you know? Yeah. That's um, great. <laughs> that's the only drug I ever took. Thank God, you know? Doesn't think it's up my alley, especially now. Um, but what's the worst case scenario? The worst case scenario, I believe is that the virus mutates. This is a very, very, very long shot, okay? But anything is possible. And a deadlier form of the virus emerges, and it happens over the summer, and, you know, when, when the pressure comes on. You know, remember, things mutate and evolve when pressure comes in. 
There's not a lot of pressure on this virus right now. It's doing nice and well. It's spreading around the world. It's good. It's doing well. But it's on mine right now. This virus is winning, <laughs> right? It's got a two or three to one uh, R naught. Like one, one person yields three get, get I think it's two, either two or three get gets infected, right? So it's, it's winning, spreading like wildfire, so to speak, right? But when that stops and the virus comes under pressure, it's going to evolve. But it will is always evolving. It's always making you know mutations occur naturally in viruses. Remember, viruses don't DNA is two strands. We're made of DNA basically, right? Viruses are not. Viruses are, are made of what's called RNA. So DNA is dioxyribonucleic acid. RNA is ribonuclease. DNA's got two strands, two copies, right? It's like imagine one copy and you have spell check is the other copy. Two copies, right? One and then the safety copy. RNA's got one strand, no spell check. That means as it copies itself, it makes a lot of mistakes that don't get corrected by spell check. So it spits out a lot of these copies. Now, a lot of these mistakes end up making the virus unable to multiply. So it dies out. So by the mutation itself, kills the virus. Like, okay, it, it, it has a new copy, but the copy can't reproduce. So that's it. It's dead. Many never make it out of the person's cell. Sometimes they die within that person. But if a mutation actually that, that allows the, this, this virus to actually continue to multiply... And it somehow gives this virus an advantage, this new, this new strain an advantage over the old one that it can live longer outside. Maybe it's more deadly. Maybe it's got a longer latency period. Whatever those advantages are, that will take hold eventually and start transmitting if it gets out from one human to another. And that starts again eventually with community transmission and all bets are off. So that would be the worst. It would be a, a virulent form um, comes out. I, I, I think it's a really, really long shot. I wouldn't worry about that. Um, I think the smart, the the biggest downside here is that there's a huge disruption economically for a few months uh, and there'll be some pain. But you know what? There's massive opportunity in that, not by gouging, but by being smart and by future pacing what you think will happen next and positioning yourself accordingly. One more question. This guy goes, um, the last cause says, I live in Las Vegas and the strip has been dead since the coronavirus. How bad is coronavirus for tourism? Let me give you an example. A very good friend of mine, someone I love and respect, owns a casino in Macau, right? Macau is shut. At least it was. It was completely like shuttered. So Macau is the you know is the Las Vegas of Asia, right? Except it's massively bigger. It's huge. It's got ten times the gaming revenue of Vegas. I think revenue is down 90, 89% there this month to month. It's like crazy. There's no one there. It's shut down. And China put it off limits to their whole population. Because that's a perfect place where this is going to fester and, you know, exchanging people, touching, you know, slot machines, dice, whatever it might be. It's a, it's a terrible. Um, Vegas is one of those industries that's going to get hit very, very hard, um, but will survive, especially the strong ones, the smart operators. And ultimately, um, it would be irresponsible. It's not just that. It's conventions are in Vegas, too. Remember that. All the conventions are being canceled right now, right? So this is very bad for Vegas. It's bad for the economy. It's not just the casinos, but the local economy there. There's restaurants. There's all the service people there. I mean, it's it's, it's a bad thing. But, all right, guess what? People are still going to love to like things. The cure is we we stop liking to gamble. We stop liking to be degenerates and go to Vegas. (laughs) People are still going to be people. And as soon as this dies down, guess what? They're going to be pent-up demand. They'll be offering special post-corona Curing casino ventures and junkets, and the casinos will be full, and the hotels will be full, and you know it'll be a distant memory. And the people that were smart enough to buy stock at the bottom—I'm not saying when you should buy or what stocks to buy—but the people that were smart enough to invest at the right time and not buy into the, this is the end of the world because it is not the end of the world. 
All right? There's a lot of money to be made and also many good times ahead. One more question. Last one. What are your thoughts on Elon Musk, his tweet? He said uh, it's all pretty much a joke. Like, this is just ridiculous. Listen, he's, you know, he's, he's I, I disagree and agree. I, I agree. Uh, and then he's say, what he's saying, you know, he's taking, listen, he's on, the, he, what he's saying is true in the sense that the, the coronavirus is not going to kill, well, at this point, it looks not even close to the amount of people who are going to die from the flu this year. That's his point. Like, what the hell, right? And, and he's right, but I think where, he, where he's missing it is that, you know, tell that to the person whose mother or her father just died of coronavirus because there is a much higher mortality rate. It just is. It's, it's a more deadly disease. It just is. Um, I think he's right in the sense that, um, you know, ultimately when you look back at this, you'll probably see that the amount of people who died from this will be a tiny fraction from those who died of just the regular flu that's going on simultaneously right now all over the world. So he's, there's a point there, and I respect Elon Musk, but I think there's a balance um, that needs to be struck here, that there's prudent decisions that business owners can make, that governments can make, that can essentially try to slow down transmission without buying into the panic. Really, and and I, and I think that on some level, I think that you know the governor of New York. I'm not a big fan of him usually, but I think he's he's done a, a relatively good job of of you know being vigilant and getting the message out there. This is really a problem, but not the panic. Everyone, you know, again, you know, you know, the truth is this: on some level, there is no right fucking answer. This just sucks. It's not a great thing. It's not. A, there's nothing good about this. But Elon Musk's point is well taken, and that that it's not the end of the world. Okay, and I think that. I think what he's saying more than anything without saying it is stop the shit, media people. You're blowing this up because you know full well one thing, that the worse you make it look, the more people will watch the news, including me, because I can't help myself like everybody else here. We watch it. We talk about it. And if we, if they make it really bad, what happens? More people watch the news. They sell more advertising for more money. They get more clicks on, it's all about money. I think that's what Elon Musk is really saying. He's saying, I know what you're up to, okay? It's not that we shouldn't be careful, but I know what you're up to. Stop the bullshit. It's full of shit. Not that there's not problems here, don't worry about it, but you make, it's a money thing. You're trying to make money, and some people are even trying to smear Trump because of this, which is ridiculous, Okay, you can hate him a lot, but just don't tie him to this. It's not his fault. He's not doing anything terribly wrong. He's trying, you know, everyone has their own take on it. So, you know, he's the biggest liar in the world. Oh, come on, just stop the shit. You can hate him for a million other reasons. You don't need this one, too. You can just, you can hate him anyway. Just not, just don't include this. This is a, a, a tragedy that everyone should come together on here and just try to stop and make the best of it. But I think Elon Musk's real anger is at the press for making this seem worse than it is not for good reasons. If he thought that they were doing it to really protect people, he would not have said that. He said, stop doing because you want to sell fucking newspapers and, and clicks on your websites and more people buying ads on your news shows at 6 and 7 o'clock at night. All right? And with that, it was a really good opening session on coronavirus. The Wolf's Den on Apple, Spotify, anywhere else. You can also go to my website and hear it there too. Share this with your friends. Like it. Comment on it. I think people really need to see this. I think it's a pretty sober perspective, and I think I have a really good handle. I don't know all the answers, but I think I have some pretty good ones to a lot of this stuff and what we should go, what we should be doing, and what happens next. All right. I love you all. God bless you. Be safe, and we will speak again very soon. <laughs>